This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And welcome in Lake Kick is live. It is Tuesday night, October 18th, the Overlord 2022. Brought to you proudly and as always by Academy Sports and Outdoors. I see it, you see it, does the JP poll see it? We got a brand new JP poll tonight. We are jam-packed, high atop a suddenly frosty downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, what's going on with Alabama? I don't mean losing the game. We predicted them to lose the game. What is going on with Alabama? That's what they're asking from Mobile to Muscle Shoals today and everywhere in between. I got some thoughts for you. I'll present them momentarily. It is Tuesday night, so we've got our full Week 8 previews and predictions to get to big games. That 3.30 Eastern window this Saturday is jam-packed. We're going to be at UCLA, Oregon. That's a 3.30 Eastern time, 12.30 local kickoff. Uh, There are tons of big games, so we're going to break them all down. Uh, As I said, brand new JP poll tonight. We got several added best bets. We finally got some line movement to go our way. Thought it was going to happen yesterday. It finally happened today, so... Check it out at the end of the show. Zionsville, Indiana is watching tonight. Chattanooga, Tennessee, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Winter Park, Florida. And just moments ago, Director Colin and I were talking. I don't know where Jesse was. Probably eating his um, sneaky tzatzikis that he ordered a little while ago. And Director Colin and I have come to a mathematical conclusion. We can get to 150,000 subs by 2023. And so there's the challenge. You want to keep this show free? Not that we're in immediate danger of having to pay for it or anything, but You want to keep things free? You want to keep things humming along like we're able to have them hum along right here? All you have to do is subscribe. That's it. Because uh, I got news for you. Little secret, little trick of the trade. Management's in town right now, and they're very, very impressed by that sort of thing. So I don't want to tell you how to live your life except this one time. Just subscribe to the channel and like the videos. That's it. It's free. I had a guy the other day tell me he hadn't subscribed yet because he did not think that there was anything you could subscribe to in life that didn't cost money. He's kind of right, except for this. It costs no money. Nothing else happens. There is no string attached. So the other thing I need from you as we get into tonight's show is what do you want if you reach that? Because I've already given you one reward, well, several of them. And so we got to get there by January 1st, preferably sooner there. And we got to come up with a reward. So I'm going to leave that to you. We got some time to decide amongst ourselves. There you go. There's the challenge. We normally just start with previews on Tuesday night. I got to go somewhere else tonight. Um, I'm going to put out a question here. It's kind of rhetorical. There could be several answers. Colin, here's your end point. What is happening with Alabama? 
Most recently, you probably saw them lose to Tennessee. That was not a shock around here. We predicted them to lose. I told you, going into the game, I thought Bama was going to lose. Then I thought that they were going to regroup, and I thought that they would eventually end up winning the SEC championship. And all of that's obviously still on the table. But I've got some sound. We're going to wait a few minutes to play it. But I, I think most Alabama fans have heard it. I don't know if the rest of the country has heard it. It is stunning to me, some of the stuff that's being said. Not by fans. I mean the head coach at Alabama and some players on that team about last week's game. So we'll get to that in a second. Here's what I'm not going to traffic in tonight. I'm not going to do the whole cast an indictment on a team or a program based on one game. I'm not doing the Bama's done thing. I'm not, not doing that uh, only because I need to remind you, many of you, hundreds of thousands of people who now watch or listen to this show are kind of new, so you don't know some of the analogies I've used in the past. One of the classics, paper pop worthy metaphors from Meemaw back in the day was you need to respond at the speed of honey, not at the speed of water. And that's the same way you need to really cast judgment on these programs. You cannot tell over the span of one game what the fate of a program is going to be and the trajectory of a program is. It just doesn't work that way. Mima always said, you turn that plate sideways. Look at how fast the drop of water falls off. You don't wanna be the drop of water. That just makes you look like an idiot down the road. You wanna be the drop of honey. It's still headed south. It's just headed south a lot slower. So in other words, if you see several results piled on top of each other that indicate the same thing, it's like this huge, bright, blinking red caution light, then you can start to be concerned. Not one game. So I'm not in that camp. I know a lot of people are, and I, I know that it gets a lot of attention, and we could traffic in that. You, you, you haven't seen clickbait until you see me go clickbait. I could go clickbait on this. We're not doing that. But what I am going to do is be pretty fair about this. And so I just want to ask you guys, you know, if, if let's say the worst were happening at Alabama, okay? So let's just entertain the, the madness out there for a couple of seconds. If the absolute worst were happening, let's just say everything about that program had been lost. I'm talking about 100% of the mojo. It would kind of be equivalent to what a commercial airliner at 35,000 feet would do going about 550 miles an hour ground speed. If both engines failed, what happens to a plane at 35K? If both engines failed, does it just go, does it fall straight down to the ground? Of course it doesn't. Because the speed it's built up and the altitude it's built up determines that it's going to glide for a long time. And that's even if everything has failed. The program at Bama and some of these major programs, if this were happening to Ryan Day, if this were happening to Dabo, even if everything went wrong, guys, it would take a while for them to come crashing back to earth because that's the value and the equity you've built to get to that point. So imagine if only 20% of the program is faulty, how hard it is to spot the difference week to week, game to game. So anyone who's watching Tennessee run all over Bama, ugly though it may have been, and thinking to themselves, that's it, go ahead, get the gravestone ready. We're not doing that, okay? I think, I think anyone who's ever trafficked in that, as long as Nick Saban's there, has learned their lesson, please don't do that again. But they played a way against Tennessee the other night. That's not the way they have to play. They tried a way. It fa it's failed spectacularly. They tried a way. I think it's reasonable for us to look at Alabama and suspect there'll probably be some adjustments made. There may even be some personnel changes made. I'm not even so much interested in that tonight. You're looking at their schedule right now. 
They play Mississippi State this Saturday. They're going to drag Mississippi State. We'll predict the game Thursday. They will drag Mississippi State Saturday. Then they're going to go to LSU in two weeks or three weeks, I guess. And then they'll go to Ole Miss, another back-to-back road stretch there. Or I guess it's the first one for them. And then they'll have Austin P and Auburn. Look, we can talk about the individual games. We can talk about who should be starting and who shouldn't. We could talk about who played up to and not up to the standard. We could do all that. Frankly, we did it the other night. And double frankly, I think Tim Watts has got a healthy dose of it over on his BamaOnline.com message board right now. So if you want to dive into that murky, murky crimson water, there's plenty of it to go around. I have delved into some of it myself over there. So I've got thoughts just like everyone else. That's not even what I want to talk to you about tonight. Because truthfully, I think they've got smart enough people in the building to get that sort of thing fixed. Or at least fixed to the degree that they need to fix it to win the SEC, to win a national championship, because make no mistake, even as ugly as Saturday was, this team could still win the national championship. That's not what caught my ear. It wasn't Saturday. We were on the field Saturday. That, that was jarring, but that's not what's resonating with me. I got two pieces of audio I want you to listen to. The first one is yesterday in Tuscaloosa. It's the usual Monday media availability, and I'm going to play you two of them. The first one is Alabama head coach Nick Saban on what he thought may have contributed to Saturday's breakdown. Take a listen. You know, you want to have great energy and you want to be loose. Um, I thought we were tight, especially starting the game. Um, I mean, coming out of the locker room, our players always chant. They weren't chanting. I said, why aren't you guys chanting? What's up with that? No chanting. No chanting there. Uh, I, was, I was in the tunnel. I can confirm that. No chanting. Uh, Does that mean anything necessarily? No, no. In fact, if you weren't around that team for a long time, you wouldn't even know the difference. I've been around Bama for quite a while. I was around those teams in the early to mid-2000s or 20-teens, and I've been around this one. Yeah, I've noticed noticed that difference. Again, maybe each team has its own unique DNA and whatnot, uh, but it has been noticeable. I'm not the only one who's picked up on it. Now I want you to listen to Will Anderson, same place yesterday, talking about the same thing. Go. You remember about that moment? You feel yeah. like it was tight? Yeah, most definitely. Um, I think we probably just had a lot of anxiety. You know, we didn't have the same intensity that, you know, we had a couple of weeks ago. Um, we most definitely needed that to carry over to this game, but just the intensity was just not where it needed to be. Why? Why? Um, probably just, like I said, just probably just having a little anxiety for the game, big role game. This is the top program in America for the past decade and a half. Some of you aren't even that old. They've been on top of the mountain as a program for the past decade and a half plus. We're talking about lack of requisite intensity. We're talking about lack of requisite focus. We're talking about competitive anxiety. Alabama. Alabama is admitting to you they're suffering from the sort of thing they used to make other teams suffer from when they knew they were about to play them or after they just played them. I've been around that team for a long time. I was around some of those teams in the 20 teens, the A'shaun Robinson teams, the Jaron Reed teams, Jonathan Allen, Mika Fitzpatrick, A'shaun Robinson. Those were the kind of squads where, I kid you not, I'm in Athens, Georgia one afternoon, and they're up 38-3. They give up a long touchdown run in what you and I would call garbage time, and they're fighting each other on the sideline. I'm out in Glendale, Arizona. They are winning the national championship. The game has ended. Confetti is falling down. Jonathan Allen is back and forth with teammates. Why? Not because they didn't win. They just didn't play the way they wanted to. 
The season's over, guys. It, it, he's going after teammates because they just didn't play at a high enough standard. I have watched on multiple occasions, you're talking about competitive anxiety before a game. I used to watch Tony Brown come out of the tunnel shirtless in track pants and just waltz through the opposing team's warm-up cadences. Didn't care. Not an ounce of anxiety to be found anywhere in that locker room. And so if you think that you're pissed off as an Alabama fan, or if you think you're dumbfounded like me watching that from a distance, imagine former players listening to that garbage. That's excuse making. It's all it is. Uh, whether it's true or not, it's excuse making because you and I both know if Tennessee misses that field goal or Bama makes a field goal and they win, we're not hearing any of that following Monday. This is so foreign to me to hear from Alabama. I've heard it either on the record or behind the scenes from other teams that used to have to play Bama because that's the kind of stuff they used to strike into you. Not anymore, apparently. And so you see what I'm talking about a little bit when, when you're questioning play calling or you're questioning designs and schemes, they can adjust all that. If you don't have, like in here, if you don't have what you need intensity-wise, if you're anxious competitively, no amount of adjustments is going to matter. They'll get beat again, or when they go up against Tennessee or Georgia, they'll get beat. And this team, which I think collectively, just on paper, has the chance to be one of the best Nick Saban's ever had, will underachieve. And you'll be left asking why in January, and yet I think they just admitted to you what the why would be. Um, but I say all that, and I'm telling you, they could still win the national championship. So this is kind of me. You know, when I look at potentially great teams, I want them to be great. I, I want Ohio State to be that way this year. Like, I look at the ones that I know are capable, and there are only a few of them. Bama's one of them. And I remember last year being in Indianapolis and watching them come this close in a year where I thought they had no business playing for a title, and they still almost accidentally tripped into a national title. And I found myself saying, good for that team, but next year, that'll be the year for them. Well, we're in next year. And um, so far, through six weeks, I got folks not chanting. I, I got folks not ready to take the field. I mean, can you imagine going into that environment Saturday night? And then walking out of it afterwards and saying, ah, my intensity wasn't there. That was the most charged environment I've ever been in. The numbers came out today. That game peaked at 17 million viewers. It was the most watched college football game of the year by a wide margin. And I got potential top five draft picks telling me, ah, just a little anxious. Probably collectively the mind just wasn't there the way it needed to be. I got no time for that. No time. That's, that's horrible. I would honestly, I appreciate honesty. I would rather just not have heard that. Uh, I'll tell you what I do love hearing, though. Our friends at Academy Sports and Outdoors, look at that. They've gone double box on us tonight. We got them on two screens instead of just one. And I'm going to take that to mean that they endorse what we're doing on the show. It couldn't just be Colin punched it on another box. It has to be that Academy has something to do with that. Academy Sports and Outdoors, I always kind of say you're one-stop shop for everything, sporting goods-wise and otherwise. But some of you have started to chime in almost to the degree that I think maybe we'll start once a week just screenshotting some of your emails. I, they're unsolicited. You guys li who listen to the show all the time, you know, I don't necessarily beg you to send those emails in, but that brand, Academy Sports and Outdoors, is so kind of interwoven into the fabric of this show that you have taken ownership. You almost take it as your duty to go and peruse the selection either there or at academy.com. You send me your emails. You let me know what you found there that you didn't think you were going to find there. Those are my favorite. And then I promptly forward them on to the folks at Academy, and they love it too. And even though you guys don't know it, 
some of your emails end up in some of their quarterly earnings reports, and I don't even think I'm supposed to tell you that, but look, they love it, and I love it, and everyone loves it. So thank you to Academy Sports and Outdoors. They're the reason why you're not having to pay anything for this show, and why these lights are on, and, and why you know we can afford not only Chalai of Supremacy, but this mysterious orange liquid in the Chalai. We couldn't afford that before, could we, Jesse? Colin, no, absolutely not. It was Capri Sun, ramen noodles, or bust around here. Thank you to Academy Sports and Outdoors. And if you can't get there in person, as I said, academy.com. Okay, we got, um, we got such a big week here, and I want to make sure that I do something. Hey, Colin, just yell in my ear. Am I supposed to do UCLA and Oregon right now? Yeah, it's time for that. It's time for the preview. Um, Pac-12 Pate, as you know, is tattooed on my lower back. It's been my moniker since as long as I can remember. I was a little youth walking around West Central Georgia, and everyone else was SEC, SEC, but not Pac-12 Pate here. We are headed. The Every Given Saturday Tour is headed to UCLA, Oregon. Apparently, Jesse thought we were driving, and good for him. You know, it, it's a very novice approach to the Every Given Saturday Tour. No, we'll, we'll fly out to Portland later this week, but we are looking very much forward, and then we'll drive down to Eugene, of course, to the Every Given Saturday Tour, first time ever at Autzen Stadium. This is a 3.30 Eastern time kickoff on Fox. It is obviously 12.30 local time. Why is that good? Because it allows us to catch a red eye back and be in Nashville the next morning. This is the first top 10 matchup in Autzen Stadium since when? When would you guess is the last top 10 game that's been in that stadium? I thought like 2011. So it's more recent than that. It was 2014. Chip Kelly, he's been back before, but he's playing in Autzen Stadium. That is noteworthy. UCLA versus top 10 teams on the road under Chip Kelly. Not a huge sample size. They're 0-2, but the average margin of defeat has been 37 points per game. So let's move over that because if you like UCLA, that's not fun to hear. One cannot help but pull up the trusty eye, Josh, and I've got the fancy paid weather apps, but you could just go to the basics, the casual apps, if you will, and you see it's probably going to pour this weekend. It has not rained in Eugene, Oregon for like a month. But leave it to us to book a trip up there and have the weather flip entirely. It was below freezing in Nashville last night. We're going to get a, what is it, a deluge? Whatever the word is, a lot of rain. We're going to get it in Eugene this weekend. And so that begs the question from a football sense, who does that favor? And the immediate answer that I think most of us would give is, well, doesn't that favor the team that's got the number one running back in the Pac-12, Zach Charbonnet? And that's, of course, UCLA. Maybe or maybe not. Because in this game last year, Mr. Charbonnet had his second worst rushing performance of his career. So, are you looking at career stats or are you looking at matchups? Because this matchup was not particularly kind in a narrow loss to Oregon last year. It was the worst. I mean, it's 35 rushing yards. That's what he had in this game last year, 56 total. And Oregon has given up about 3.65 yards per carry defensively. So, not terrible rushing statistics for the Ducks. Now, Oregon. And the reason why I'm looking at this thing as kind of a wash, no pun intended, if weather is a factor, and I think it may be, Oregon runs the ball just fine. Oregon's got the fourth best yards per carry in FBS. Uh, they just don't do it with one individual person. But the real question for me is whether their pass defense can hold up. You know, if, if it is within reason, conditions-wise, to be able to throw the ball, Oregon pass defense, man, Look, you can try and dismiss these numbers all you want to, but they're real. Like, they are written from stats and info right here on this piece of paper in front of me. Stats and Bennett look like Joe Montana against them in week one. 80% completion, 368 yards through the air. Okay? Cam Ward with Washington State. 
threw for 375, 77% completion percentage. Now, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is a 74.8% completion percentage guy this year. So you're seeing it on the screen right now. If they give up that kind of day, uh, it's a long afternoon. That just means you've got to outscore them. Uh, but on the other side, you see Bo Nix over there. He's at 70% himself. Do we get good Bo? Do we get bad Bo? Do we get big game Bo? So I don't think he's done it enough on the big stage to warrant that nickname. But he could. Take it from someone who followed him in high school. He could, absolutely. Clearly the biggest factor, given number one, the matchup, and number two, potential weather conditions, is quarterback mobility. Both of these teams have it. I want you to listen to these two numbers because this is what will decide this game. Bo Nix, average yards per carry is at 8.3. Past two games, it's been over 15. In October, here's a producer, Jesse Special. He walks in, anytime he's smiling, he walks in with a stat. He said, hey, that yards per carry for Nix is good, but 15.1 in October. So take it to the bank. Something about jack-o'-lanterns being on the front porch every block really makes Bo Nix move a little bit faster. But DTR is at 5.5 yards per carry, too. So both of those guys can extend plays, they can improvise, they can move the pocket, and when all else breaks down, they can go get you a first down. That stuff is so hard to predict. All you can go on are these numbers, but that in reality is probably going to decide this game. Let's take a look at what the model thinks. Let's take a look at the Vegas number. If you're listening on podcast, at the time we are recording this, the number is Oregon minus six. And that totals all the way almost up to 70. The model is sort of in line with Vegas. We've got it one notch higher. We've got it Oregon minus seven. And I got to be real with you. I think UCLA has it in them to keep this very close. I do expect Oregon to get the win here. But if you made me against the spread, make a selection, and we do because that's what a prediction is, I would take UCLA in the points. So I think it's going to be razor tight, one possession game. I think Oregon's going to win. Uh, if I had to go straight up, if I had to go against the number, I would take UCLA. A reminder, right now, the odds to win the Pac-12 championship. Oregon is the favorite at plus 160, and guess who's right behind them at plus 190? That would be the Bruins. Essentially what that is, is this game. And you got a little bit fatter juice on UCLA because they're the road team, but that's essentially what Vegas is telling you. This game will definitively determine the favorite in the Pac-12, and of course, you just saw USC and Utah play last week. They're three and four right now. So USC is off this week, as is Utah. So we'll see how these odds look come Sunday. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Speaking of all those teams, they are about to be featured in the JP poll. I appreciate you guys being tuned in live. If you are, remember to like the video and remember to uh, subscribe to the channel. I see Jason Hughes in here. Probably shouldn't have used last name, but he does. Uh, Jason's hating on me, but it's warranted. Rarely do I say this, but I, I encourage this kind of criticism. Jason's mad, as he should be, because on the Sunday show, Mr. Mr. SEC bias himself here forgot to recap the LSU-Florida game. How does this happen? Well, our buddy Van Lathan from The Ringer called me out initially on Twitter, and I, I told him, look, there's an excuse, and it involves papers being stuck together. As you see, I just flip through these papers, and sometimes I'm paying a little more attention. Maybe I had anxiety, who knows? But the LSU-Florida paper kind of got shoved over in the stack without getting addressed, and that was what happened to the LSU-Florida segment. Now listen, I am not going to do it on Tuesday because it's like 96 hours dated now. What I will do is I will prominently feature LSU in just a few minutes because they're playing Ole Miss this week at home. Could be the sneaky best game of the weekend. The line is one and a half. It's the SEC on CBS Game of the Week. Blah, blah, blah. I've basically read all the copy now that legal gave me to read. We'll get to it. And, and sincerely, I apologize. Although, to be clear, it's not just my fault. Okay, let's go with the JP poll this week. JP poll week eight edition. These are not rankings. These are power ratings. And let me stress this week, knowing what I'm about to show you, if these were rankings, if this was my AP ballot, it would look much different than this. Much different. But it doesn't. Because these are power ratings, and all that matters on a neutral field tomorrow, friends, is who the model would favor over who. That is the order that these teams are listed in. So let's start 25 to 21. Uh, we, we have a situation here. Purdue's back in the rank ratings. They weren't last week. Wake is there. Texas A&M is there. And they were off. How in the world did they move up, JP? Well, they moved up, not because they did anything, but the numbers moved around, and either some teams dropped below them or... Just because you don't play doesn't mean your stat profile and your data profile doesn't change. Because other teams you've played did something last week, and that indirectly impacts your data profile. It's really boring to talk about. Oregon State, they're at 22, and Florida State is only down one. Now, let me explain Florida State to you right quick, because this is where really quickly you learn the difference between a power rating and a ranking. Florida State was at 20 last week and they lost to Clemson, right? So certainly, you would see them bump down in the AP rankings. But here's the thing. We had them at 20, not five, we had them at 20, and they lost by pretty much the margin we thought they would lose by. That means they were exactly the team we thought they were. So we have no reason to move them. We had them pegged exactly right. In other words, they did what the 20th best team in the country should have done at home, against about the sixth or fifth best team in the country. So that's a power rating. All right, moving on. Top 20 time. LSU was not power rated last week. LSU had a really good day or night in Gainesville. You wouldn't know it if you watched this show, but they did. Arkansas's back. I don't care what you say about me. I don't care what you say about the model. It likes Arkansas. Arkansas went up in those mountains and they got a win against Brigham Young, formerly known as BYU on this show. So Arkansas is back in the power ratings. And again, I apologize to no one. And hold on a second. Let me listen. No, the model doesn't apologize either. 
Mississippi State dropped nine spots at uh, 18. Really, I just think Mississippi State's a good home team. The unfortunate task they draw this week is going into Tuscaloosa against an Alabama team that we just drug for the first nine minutes of the show. And um, Alabama's undefeated when we drag them the next week. I think that's just a fact. Kentucky is at 17. Penn State is at 16. What do we do with Penn State? What do we do? You, you can't go all vengeful. Like, Jesse didn't even want him power rated. He thought we should just expel them. He thought we should put him on power rating probation, which, of course, is asinine. But we had to put him somewhere. So the model dropped him to 16, and I don't feel good. I, I don't feel overly confident. They're playing Minnesota this week, and uh, boy, do they need a win. Ooh, we're going to do that game Thursday. Boy, do they need a win. Top 15. Let's take a look. It's going to get treacherous. It's going to get controversial up here. UCLA. Now, look, you notice we have them in Oregon a little bit lower than the AP. Don't worry about it. Going to be a great game. 15 versus 13. Kansas State is the team that intrigues me because they're at 14. And Kansas State plays at TCU this week. And you know that that is one of our best bets of the week. I think Kansas State is winning outright Saturday against TCU. Not to put a spoiler alert on you, but I think that they are going to win outright. I don't like the spot for TCU at all, and I conversely do like the spot very much, even on the road, for Kansas State. So let's just let's keep our eye on that. Because you, you notice we've got TCU power rated ahead of Kansas State, and they're at home, right? So if this is who would be favored against who, it makes no sense that I would pick TCU over Kansas State. That's true in a vacuum if both teams are rested. But there are situational scheduling dynamics here that end up, in this case, overriding the small point gap that we see between TCU and Kansas State. And that sounds like word salad, and it kind of is, but it kind of isn't. There's a little, there are little chunks of meat inside the salad, and so that explains that. Ole Miss is at 12. Schedule gets really, really tough for, him, or for them starting really this week. Oklahoma State's at 11. All right, top 10 time. We got TCU at 10. I just kind of explained that to you. All right, Utah and USC at 9 and 8. USC tomorrow would probably, according to the model, be like a, a three-quarter of a point favorite over Utah. So it essentially has them as the same team. Clearly in the rankings world, you would have reason maybe to put Utah ahead of USC, even though it's still two losses versus one loss. We don't care about any of that. Model only cares about who it would favor. And there is certainly nothing that a one-point loss in their building does to prove that that team should be power rated ahead of you. That's not the way power ratings work. I'm also not advocating for this to be the way the playoff is selected, so you can save that. Texas dropped three spots at seven. You know, Texas, there were a couple of opportunities for them to just lose to Iowa State. And whether they lost or not, the model sees the performance, and it says, all right, let's back off of them just a little bit. They go to Oklahoma State this weekend. That is a really, really big game. And Clemson is at six. I think that they dropped, not because they dropped. In fact, I think Clemson's power rating number went up a little bit. It's just that someone else's went up a little bit more. Let's take a look at the top five. We got Tennessee at five. Um, we, did, we haven't really had to adjust Tennessee and Michigan a whole lot because, as you know, as recently as three weeks ago, we were getting made fun of for having Tennessee and Michigan up inside the top ten and up inside the top seven. Uh, the model knew. Don't know what to tell you. The model knew, and now everyone does. So Tennessee's at five. Um, I, I should have gotten you the number. It would favor Michigan slightly against Tennessee on a neutral field today. All right, here is the adjusted three through one. We got Bama at three now. They dropped another spot. 
Georgia's at two, Ohio State's at one. Currently, the model would put Ohio State minus four versus Alabama, neutral field. It would be Ohio State minus two versus Georgia, neutral field. Georgia favored by two against Alabama right now. Here's the interesting part. In some of the futures markets, you can already bet Michigan at Ohio State. And the number's Ohio State minus 10 and a half. Our numbers have Ohio State 10 points better than Michigan on a neutral field, which means with the game in Columbus, our model would make it more like Ohio State minus 13 or so. Truthfully, I think that number's too big. I don't think the gap between those two teams is that large, but the model disagrees. And you know, I don't have to agree with the model. It's kind of like a marriage. You don't have to agree on everything, but, but we are, the model and I, we are equally yoked where it counts the most. Okay, and that is power ratings forever over rankings. There's the top 10 of week eight. Alabama, the lowest point they've been all year at number three. Tennessee, the highest point they've been all year at five. Um, very, very simply, for anyone who asks, and you may be new to this, I'm sarcastic about it, but you may be new to this whole concept. How could you have Bama behind, or how could you have Bama ahead of Tennessee? They just lost to him. They went into Knoxville. They were favored by nine points, I think, at kickoff, right? In Knoxville, okay? So that would be up around 12 or 13 on a neutral field. That result does not shave 13 points of value off of those two teams, respectively. So if they were to play neutral field tomorrow, I know this comes as a shock to you guys. Bama would still be over a touchdown favorite, even with the most radical of adjustments. Now, you'd probably bet Tennessee, and that's your prerogative. We're not even predicting winners. We're just predicting what numbers would be. That's it. So that's how they're still uh, power rated above Tennessee. Okay, let's get back to predicting some games, please. The, uh, well, let's take a sip out of the chalice first. It's really good. I mean, I badly, badly wish that this company, not the glass company, this beverage company would sponsor us. So I would love to give them shout outs. A huge, look at this. If this is your company, and by the liquid, by, just by the liquid, you can tell, jump on this. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Ole Miss at LSU, Saturday, 3.30 Eastern Time. It is the SEC on CBS game of the week. There is a rumor floating around. I want to dispel it tonight because we don't like rumors around here. Unless it's the 1977 classic album from Fleetwood Mac. Aside from Oh Daddy, it's a terrible song. The rest of them on there are pretty much bangers. The SEC West, contrary to those rumors, not decided yet. Did you know that Ole Miss has no losses? Did you know that LSU only has one conference loss? Did you know that if really either of these teams won this weekend and then ended up beating Alabama, they would have the leg up on Bama? Did any of you know that? No? Yes? Well, there you go. So it's not just this foregone conclusion that Bama's going to skate their way to Atlanta. They still have obstacles, including both of these teams. But that's for another day. They're playing each other this Saturday. Ole Miss, they won last year. 31-17, but they have lost half a dozen in a row in Baton Rouge. And they didn't throw them the, the dreaded 11 a.m. kickoff. This is mid-afternoon. They'll be good. They'll be ready to go. It's been a light schedule for Ole Miss so far. Now, that's not an indictment on a team. That's just what it is. It's their schedule. You can only play who's on your schedule, but we've known for a while that the back half is brutal for Ole Miss. In fact, unprecedented. Colin, can you already throw up Ole Miss's schedule? They've played Troy, Central Arkansas, Georgia Tech, Tulsa, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and Auburn. Okay? And now they've got at LSU, at Texas A&M, Bama, at Arkansas, Mississippi State. 
So they've got it to do. And this is going to be a really, really tough stretch here. They start by going on the road to LSU. Uh, their two road games so far were Georgia Tech and Vandy. So certainly they've not dealt with the road factor they're about to deal with. And more importantly, Jackson Dart has not dealt with the road factor that he will deal with here. We're over halfway through the season, as you can see there, or as you heard if you're listening on podcast. And I still get the distinct impression a lot of the college football public, maybe the casual public, I'll just call them the, casual fo- or the uh, college football public, I get the sense that some people are unaware of what Ole Miss is, or maybe whoopsed Ole Miss is. There are people out there who see them putting up big numbers on the scoreboard, and they still think to themselves, there goes Lane, airing it out. They are third in America in rushing yards per game. They are first in America in rushing touchdowns per game. They are running all over people. It is one of the most lethal rushing attacks in America. Uh, They got Judkins. They got Zach Evans there. They've got a quarterback that can run, and they run it on the perimeter. It's another very, very important aspect because sometimes when you hear, ooh, so-and-so can run the ball really well, that's okay. We're really fortified on the inside. You can have the best defensive tackle combo in the world, and Ole Miss could still run for 350 on you. They run it on the perimeter. You've got to be really good at setting the edge. You've got to be really good at outside linebacker. You've got to be able to tackle in the secondary. So it's a kind of, it's a different challenge than you're used to when you talk about stopping the run. So containing, tackling, that's stuff that they're emphasizing down there all week. And especially Brian Kelly, because he just saw Florida run all over him. He saw Tennessee run all over him the week before. And that's what he's been talking about. We don't tackle well enough. Well, that could be a big problem with the team coming to town this weekend. Ole Miss has gotten off to fast starts, too. Now, I don't need to tell LSU folks how critical this is because they, two weeks ago, last time they were at home, they saw what happened when they got behind a high-octane offense in Tennessee. That was a tempo-based passing attack. But you notice what Tennessee did that day? They didn't throw the ball all over the place. They ran the ball all over LSU. And maybe stylistically different, but philosophically, it was the exact same thing that Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss will try and do. And also, when you run a tempo-based offense, it really makes the crowd have a lot harder time getting involved. Because when you're snapping the ball every 10 or 12 seconds, you're not getting deep in play clocks. You're not making a ton of adjustments at the line of scrimmage. They just don't have time to kind of, as a crowd, sink their teeth into you and get you to jump or get you to call timeout. It's just not the way it works. So tempo and running plus costly mistakes, that was the combination for Tennessee to jump all over them early. You got to avoid that. Ole Miss is one of, what was it, Jesse? One of only four teams or something like that in the country that has grabbed the lead in every game they've played so far this year. So that's all well and good if Ole Miss does that. But here's the LSU side of things. Jaden Daniels had a really good day through the air the other day. Um, You're going to play a better defensive team here. But here's what I just out of curiosity, love to see. I'd love to see what Ole Miss looks like on the road trailing. I want to see what it's like when they have to play in trail technique, which is a cornerback term, but I use it as a team term. Do they have that in them? If they have to throw the ball, if they have to lean on the passing game a little bit more on the road against even depleted, though they may have been in the summer, still one of the better sets of defensive backs that they'll see this year. I would love to see how they respond to that challenge. Now, we don't know if it's going to present itself Saturday, but I'd love to see it. The line right now is LSU minus one and a half. That opened on the other side of zero. Ole Miss opened as the favorite. It has crossed zero. 
and LSU currently is favored by one and a half. The model agrees. We always love when the Vegas number comes to us because the model also has LSU minus one and a half. I think, now I'm kind of really going to have to go on a hunch here. There's a chance that Ole Miss may not be exactly the caliber of team you think they are, but the schedule just hasn't had the chance to expose that yet. There's that chance. There's also a chance they're every bit as legit as they look. I do love that LSU already has a loss as it relates to this game. Because I love that they have no wiggle room. They got two losses overall. They got one loss in conference. And I love that they get them at home. And I love that you could have baked into this a little bit of inflation with Ole Miss. I think it's LSU's game. I think they're going to win it. I think LSU is going to cover the one and a half. I don't know how um, you would predict otherwise. And the odds to win the SEC right now. You got a one through four of Georgia, Bama, Tennessee, Ole Miss. And then there's this huge drop off. And then it's LSU at plus 3,000. And then it's an even bigger drop off to Mississippi State. So we'll see how that adjusts. I think LSU is going to win. I think they're going to cover. I think it's a really close game. Really, really competitive game. Uh, Could very well end up being the most entertaining game of Saturday. Next up, we hop on, we hop on the regional jet, not the full body. We're going to get in the regional jet, and we're going to go from Baton Rouge to Stillwater. Probably no direct flights to be found there. The Big 12 is going to deliver yet again this Saturday, and it's Kansas State TCU, but we've also got Texas at Oklahoma State. Don't be fooled by Texas last week. I am begging you. I know someone out there is going to fall for it. Someone out there is going to go watch, like I did last night. You're you're going to watch the replay of Iowa State pushing them right to the brink, and you're going to say, hold up. Texas is favored by nearly a touchdown on the road, and they almost got beat at home against, checks notes, Iowa State last week. Give me all those points. (sighs) We predicted it. We expected it. And, And I'm someone who's had Texas inside the top six over the last couple of weeks. So I think higher of them than the AP does or pretty much anyone else. We expected them to nearly get beat last week. It's just if you look at the schedule and you've ever watched this sport for a length of time, when they did what they did to Oklahoma and they knew they had Oklahoma State on deck and you got a three-loss Iowa State team coming in there, that is sleepy. That student section wasn't close to filled at kickoff and we were going to get exactly what we got. A close call. So we predicted on the show, close Texas win, and they got the close win. Uh, Could very well have lost that game a couple of different times. Doesn't matter. All the history books will remember is that they won. Now, the question is not what they did against Iowa State and whether it's going to carry over. Here's your question. You got to decide this for yourself. I have a good idea where I stand, but you have to decide this for yourself. Is this the new Texas or is this the same Texas? If it's the new Texas, then last week doesn't matter, and you will see their best performance Saturday. If it's the same Texas, I've got a whole mountain of stats that Jesse gave me that would indicate they're in big trouble Saturday. Because the old Texas, the same Texas, they haven't handled these spots very well. A new Texas will render all of these stats irrelevant and moot, and they will start kind of a new trajectory for themselves. So that's what you have to ask yourself. As you make your own prediction, as maybe you bet your own money on this, new Texas, same Texas. Texas is minus for a reason here. So you know know where odds makers are on this. They're not always right, but you know where they are on this. You got to decide where you are. You also have to do your best to find out where Spencer Sanders is, the Oklahoma State quarterback. He played last week. 
uh, that's only half the story. You know, he had a bum shoulder, he didn't get to practice all week, and as a result, he turned in the worst statistical performance of his career. It was by 10 miles the lowest completion percentage of his career, and the info is sketchy at best right now as to whether he's going to play. Enter Oklahoma State quarterback Mike Gundy, who stopped by at his press conference to help us all out with some information on injured starting quarterback Spencer Sanders. And I quote, let's all do ourselves a favor and not ask about injuries this week. Thank you, Mike. I sit here and defend him at all ends, and that's what he gives us. Let's do all of ourselves a favor. That did not do me any favors. I don't know how you feel. I feel very favorless right now. So I'm going to just blindly assume that we're going to get some version of Spencer Sanders this week. Can Oklahoma State do what Texas Tech did to Texas? Now, I know you got a different starting quarterback here. But let's just, for broad strokes purposes, remember the last time we saw Texas in a true road environment. They were in Lubbock, and they lost in overtime. What offensively did Texas Tech do that day? Well, they ran 100 plays. Remember that. They went 38 of 56 for 331 yards through the air, and they finished with plus two turnovers. I would consider that a starting point for what Oklahoma State's offense needs to be able to do this weekend because I expect more from Texas because I get Quinn Ewers in lieu of having Hudson Card. Texas's offense could roll here. You know, for, for all the bluster back and forth about how they struggled last week against Iowa State, well, when you don't have your full attention on an opponent and they're good defensively, that's the kind of game you get. And let me give you an example comparatively about what they faced last week and what they'll face this week. Oklahoma State defensively is giving up about 28 points per game. Iowa State's at 15. Oklahoma State is giving up 301 yards, pass yards per game this year. 301 through the air. Iowa State's at 184. That's a legit defense they played last week. Uh, this one this week, not nearly to that degree. And so here's where I think it could turn because there's some edges there for Texas statistically. Historically, you got some edges for Oklahoma State. They're also at home off a loss. So you got all that going for you. But if you split this game into thirds, which wise men do, uh, the whole special teams dynamic for Oklahoma State, I would like you to pay attention to. They are the only team in the country with a kickoff return and a punt return for a touchdown this year. They've been really good. And if they can trade points, they haven't missed a field goal this year. They haven't missed an extra point this year. That hidden yardage battle, that could lean. That could tilt heavily towards Oklahoma State. And if you've got a close game here, obviously, that could be the difference. Let's take a look at the model. Let's take a look at Vegas. And let's decide for ourselves where we're going. Because we, as much as I praised the model earlier, are about to hardcore disagree with the model. Caesars line, Vegas line right now, Texas minus six. The model is drunk on Oklahoma State. They've got Texas minus two. They, they, the computer, all the keys on the computer. They have Texas minus two. This is the model yelling at us. Take Oklahoma State, fool, or else. And I am going to reside in the or else camp. We love Oklahoma State, okay? Hand over my heart. They have put us in more hype videos than anyone this year, including my own high school. So Oklahoma State loves us more than Harris County High School. But I cannot ignore what I think I'm seeing happen Saturday. And I really think Texas is going to play the best ball we've seen from them all year. On the road, I just think it's a newer version of Texas. 
And if I'm wrong, I won't be the first one to have bought into Texas and been made a fool of. But you know what? I think I'm right. I'm going to take Texas to win. They are the second odds-on favorite to win the Big 12 right now, right behind TCU. And if I'm right about Texas winning and TCU losing Saturday, we could have a new favorite there. We almost do anyway. There's very little difference between that one and two. So Texas plus 180, TCU plus 170. I think Texas is going to beat Oklahoma State Saturday. And I think they are going to cover in the process, although it is certainly not a best bet. Let me clear my throat one more time because we're about to break down. I mean, a colossal tilt in the ACC. Undefeated versus undefeated. I think you know who I'm talking about. Of course, it's Syracuse versus Clemson. And why not take one more little chug of our mysterious orange liquid before we talk about these two teams clad in as much orange as any teams in America? Hmm. It's really, really tangy tonight. Immunity. I, um, I would love anyone to raise their hand if they saw this coming. Syracuse undefeated against Clemson, also undefeated. This is the Saturday noon Eastern time kickoff on ABC. Here's the thing about me and Syracuse. We haven't been on the best of terms this year, and it's my fault. It's not their fault. Remember the Ramen Noodle Express in week one took Louisville over Syracuse, a regrettable decision. And then we doubled down, and we took Purdue against Syracuse. Turns out, another regrettable decision. And even though that's my fault, I take my anger out on Syracuse. And so I really had to dig deep in my heart. In fact, I had to call, I had to call uh, production executive James into my office today, which they're using to give flu shots tomorrow, by the way. That's not a joke. They're giving therapeutic massages and flu shots in my office. Thanks, new Meredith. And so I'm, I'm just on a sabbatical tomorrow. If you need me, I won't be at the office. But I call James into the office and I say, Make a case for Syracuse. He covers Syracuse now. does a very good job of it. And he said a few things that piqued my interest. But most importantly, I'm not so sure that a lot of America has watched this team yet this year. I've seen probably three of their games. And so they're a really good defensive team. But Clemson's played good defensive teams. Now, now not number one in the ACC. I mean, they lead in points per game, yards per game, pass yards per game. Uh, explosive plays allowed. Like defensively, th th they're at the top or near the top of the ACC in virtually all those statistical categories. Uh, Clemson's kind of up there in a lot of them too, though. So can the upset happen? That's what we ask in these previews. Anytime we get a double-digit point spread, if we're going to take time on the show and we're going to predict the game, the first thing we have to ask is, can the upset happen? We think the answer is yes, it can happen. So then the next thing we do is we say, okay, if it were to happen, how would it happen? I got a two-fold approach, and both of these things really have to come through for Syracuse. Number one, those defensive numbers you see on the screen and the ones I just read to you, they simply have to verify. That stuff has to be on display Saturday, and you have to really grind Clemson offensively to a halt. You need this game played in the teens or maybe the low 20s, and that's your first shot. The second thing is their offensive line has to be able to force enough stalemates. They just, they just have to buy enough time, especially if they get some short fields. They have to buy enough time to do enough through the air because they're good enough through the air. But if they don't, if they're working standard length of field and Clemson starts to do to them what they do to everyone, which is wrecking offensive front, then it's not going to be a good night. And I'll show you in just a few minutes, I'll show you what the model thinks. But 
Syracuse has played one true road game. I think it was UConn. Uh, so this is a different world now. And in the preseason, you would have looked at this game on the schedule and you would have said, ooh, Clemson's coming off Wake Forest and NC State and Boston College on the road and FSU on the road. And Syracuse, hmm, maybe, just maybe, Dino Babers can catch them sleeping. Well, no, because Syracuse is undefeated. So they're not sneaking up on anyone. This is a, I mean, this is a national, well, all of them are nationally televised, but this is a national attention game. And so you're going to get the full force of Clemson. Let's look at the schedule here, because after this, Clemson's got a bye. Then they go to Notre Dame. They got Louisville. They got Miami, which I think will be a much improved Miami team when they play them in South Carolina. So let's take a look what the model thinks. Vegas number as of tonight. It's Tuesday night. We're live. Thank you for watching. Clemson is minus 13 and a half. The model's just higher on Clemson, and I am too. I'd be happy to be proven wrong. Well, that sounds homerish. And, and we all know kids like me who grew up in rural Georgia have a strange affinity for Syracuse athletics. I don't know what it is about us, but you know how, you know how we roll down there. We're going to take Clemson to win. We're going to take Clemson to cover. And they, after that, we'll get to a, a very, very much needed rest period before they enter the back half of that schedule. Right now, the Tiger is an overwhelming favorite to win the ACC. They are minus 450 favorites, North Carolina, and then Syracuse, and then Miami. I have got, by the looks of things, two more best bets to add on to the Ramen Noodle Express. And uh, they're going to go on top of a game that we gave out the other day that's already moved. I appreciate you guys being tuned in, by the way. If you are and have not liked the video, Go ahead and get us up over 1,000 likes. And I'll remind you of our challenge one more time in just a second. So Kansas State at plus five. I gave them out the other night. It's the best bet we have of the week. That does not mean bet more on that game. Bet all of them equally, please. But I love Kansas State. I will be on them money line as well for a unit, but that's not part of this. We just like them plus five for these purposes. You notice what that line did? Coming down to a field goal. Yeah, it's situationally, it's not a good spot for TCU. So we like Kansas State. Uh, Fresno State, minus 13. Back-to-back -back weeks, we're riding Fresno State. Here are the two new games. I got to be real with you, the model's feeling Miami. And we bet Miami last week. For those of you who didn't watch, we had them minus 7 on the road at Virginia Tech. They were up 17 to nothing, and they ended up scoring 20 points. Virginia Tech had two fourth-quarter touchdowns, which cost us the game. We, I think we were on the right side. And I think, again, this week, because they didn't cover last week, this number should be double digits, and it's not. It's Miami minus 8.5 at home against Duke. We also like it minus 9, but there are several 8.5s out there tonight, so we're handing out 8.5. Canes minus 8.5. Just keep an eye. Josh Gaddis, Tyler Van Dyke, that offense, inch by inch, they're coming along. And we are also taking Georgia Tech minus 3 at home against Virginia. Why? Well, we have essentially two mottos on this show. One is don't lose to food, rice. And the other is bet against Virginia whenever you can. So we try and do it every week. Georgia Tech minus three. It's nothing personal. We just don't think Virginia's very good at football this year. We, however, do have a challenge. And for those of you who weren't tuned in earlier, but you're here now, if you look at our channel right now, we've got about 135,000 subs. It was just a few months ago we were out in California and we hit 100K. Now, at the time, I did not have 150K on my mind. But you guys have blown the channel up to where it looks like we could get 150K before the new year. And so that's the challenge. 
150,000 subscribers on this channel before the new year. We are trending towards that. I, we, we need to maybe scale a little bit harder, but we, I mean, we picked up 17,000 last month. So I think we can get there. And if we do, here's order number two for you. Within reason, you have to decide what the reward is because we're all about rewarding you guys when you do something that makes us look really good in front of management. And a reminder, if you, if you take Peepaw's phone or Meemaw's phone and you subscribe, nothing happens. That's it. You subscribe, that's it. They don't get mail. Uh, they don't get calls. You don't, you don't have to pay $19.99 every other month. That's not the way it works. So appreciate you guys in advance because I know we'll get that done. For Director Colin, for Producer Jesse, I'm Josh Pate. Take care. Have a great rest of your night. We'll be back here same time Thursday. Until then, God bless. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.